Welcome to Level Up, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and the faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We will explore the many adversity that each one of us experience and share our story to inspire and inform. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Welcome to Level Up. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to an amazing human being, CEO and business professor, Dr. Kenyatta Hills. Thank you for being here today and talking with us. Yeah, and I know you're quite busy, so I'm glad you took the time to chat. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure being on your podcast, and it's a different experience for me. I'm just used to staying in my corner, working on my projects, um, as well as teaching my courses, but this is opening up a whole new way of getting not only myself out there, but informing others of the job of a professor. Awesome. Awesome. What else can you tell me about yourself? Okay. Um, my name is, again, is Dr. Kenyatta Hills. I was born and raised in Florida. My parents, I'm a Navy brat. My parents um, met in the Navy. Um, they divorced when I was two years old. So from there, I've, uh, I want to say we lived in Shreveport for two years. That's where my dad is from. But after those two years, my mom and dad separated. We relocated back to Florida. So that's where I've been ever since then. I have one younger sister, and I help her raise her children. She has a boy and a girl. But um, as for me, myself, my background, I received my B.A. from the University of Florida in English. My plan was to become an attorney, so I changed my major. At that time, it was computer science. I changed it from computer science to English. But we know how life goes and what happens. You have your ups and your downs, and your interests change. So my interests changed to business around 2006 I had graduated with my BA and I was teaching high school and um, for some reason myself and another teacher started talking about um, getting our masters and then from there she was like well do you want to get your masters in higher education and at that time no and I was reading a lot of books on business so I was like I think I'm going to get my MBA so as I was teaching high school, I started working on my MBA. I completed my MBA um, from ITT Tech back in 2007. And then from 2007, after then, I worked and lived my life. And then one day I became bored again and became more interested in business. So what I did was I went and got my DBA from Walden University. And like, again, in life, you go through your ups and downs, your interests change. So now I have wanted to enhance my knowledge base by working on a second master's, this time in human resource management. So I have that going on. As for my work background, um, I, I, I just stated that I taught high school um, English. I taught high school English for about a year and a half. 
And then from there, when it comes to teaching, when I graduated with my DBA in 2015, I started teaching for Bethune-Cookman University, which is an HBCU in the state of Florida. I started teaching for them, and I teached for them for about two years. Then after I taught at Bethune-Cookman University, I had to take some time off to help take care of my grandparents. So I started working from home, and I started um, really, really spearheading projects with my consulting uh, firm. The name is DH Research and Consulting. I really started working on projects through that, communicating and networking with people um, in Alachua County. Um, here in Florida, as well as Putnam County, Duval County, working with small to medium-sized organizations or businesses in the areas of um, leadership development, employee development, any type of trainings or seminars that they wanted done. We crafted them and we um, make that happen. So after Bethune-Cookman, I did that some, and then I started getting back into wanting to teach because training is one thing, putting on seminars is another, but to me, being in the classroom or in a classroom setting, whether online or face-to-face, it's just a spark of, I say magic, that is developed between a professor and a student, especially when the information is so vital to the subject matter that we're discussing, and you can see that light bulb turn on, I really miss that from teaching at Bethune-Cookman. So, again, I'm still helping care for my grandparents. So I decided to um, teach online. So currently I teach online with American National University as a business professor. There I teach introduction to business, principles of management, and organizational behavior. But... um, I also teach for another HBCU in Arkansas, Philander Smith College. And there I teach classes that's dealing with personal values, organizational uh, organizational ethics, things of that nature. So all in all, in my professional life, I have six years of university um, teaching under my belt. I also have worked on projects dealing with motivational language theory, implementing that. I have also um, worked on projects and papers dealing with emotional intelligence, organizational behavior, as well as organizational communication. Um, let me see. That's about it for me for my background. That's awesome. You, you're going through a lot of motions there. And like you said, continuous improvement is something that we all aim for. And um, you working in your master's in HR, me working in my master's in IT, um, even with our DBA, we just continue to move on because we were hungry for learning to hopefully help other students. So I sense that you really like teaching. What do you like about teaching, Dr. Hills? I, what I love about teaching is naturally I am an introvert. I am an introvert. I love to be to myself. Don't get me wrong. I love to spend time with people that I care and love, but 
I love that alone time where I have time to process things in my brain, come up with my own conclusions without any distractions of others' opinions. So, yes, I really enjoy teaching. I really do. It brings me out of my comfort zone. Awesome. Um, what, if any, would you like your students to know about what is relatable to their experience? Okay, what is relatable? As a human, we all go through ups and downs. We go through emotional ups and downs. We go through mental ups and downs. But a continuous up and down that has been going on in my life since 2008 is being diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Now, for those who don't know what generalized anxiety disorder or GAD is, it's when an individual has a chemical imbalance and the chemical imbalance track triggers the fight, the fight and flight in our brain in our um, brain stem, our cerebellum area. And we don't have the time or sometimes we don't even have the skills to decipher. Is that fright real or is it just made up in our heads? Then it goes to another part of our brains that processes our emotions. So let's just say I had a tragedy back when I was seven years old where I almost got hit by a car. Anything that brings up a memory or feeling of me at that age, almost, almost getting hit by a car, whether it's on TV or I read about it, it emotionally triggers me a fright. And I have to consciously process it within myself and say, Kenyatta, it's not real. You're just going through a memory. Just breathe in, breathe out, and let it go. So with that being said, I know from within the six years of my teaching experience, I have had students come to me expressing to me First of all, that they're having a hard time processing the information that I'm teaching. And as I'm talking and listening, I'm seeing that they are showing some of the same signs of depression, anxiety, generalized anxiety, mental health issues, right? So what I try to do is comfort them. Let them know that I'm there to support them, even if it's me listening to them talk about um, their worries about in the course. That's okay, because I put my emotions in check to make sure that I practice emotional intelligence, that my feeling, my emotions won't get wrapped up into what they're saying. So I'm learning to turn my way of thinking around to be more positive, even when generalized anxiety is taking over my life. Like maybe about a month ago, I had a trigger. I still cannot express what that trigger was, but I went into a deep depression where I wasn't really able to function. I had to make myself communicate with my students online, send emails out. Even a few colleagues was like, Kenyatta, we haven't heard from you in a week. You know, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And that's another thing that I feel like, not just our students, and I know we have HIPAA laws and confidentiality and things of that nature, but 
when you connect with someone as a human and you see that they experience some of the same humanness that you experience, I think it's only right for you to be a comfort to them, letting them know, okay, I may not know exactly how you feel, but I'm in school as well, which I am a student. I know how it is to deal with your own personal worries and triggers and emotional mayhem going on, but you still have to put aside time to continue your education. Even if you're working on a five-page paper and you're deep into a depression or you're high with your anxiety where you can't even function or think straight, allocate at least 15 minutes to rechanging your focus so that within that 15 minutes, at least you're thinking about your topic of your paper. Then a couple of hours later, when you're feeling better and your anxiety is down, okay, take another step. Instead of thinking about the topic, try to create three sentences. So it's always about progression. Mm. With my anxiety, every time it pushes me back two feet, I make sure I do enough meditation. I make sure I do enough reading of the scripture for me to get back focused on what is reality. I'm no longer seven years old. I no longer need to be afraid of almost getting hit by a car. That is in the past. I'm living in the present. Kenyatta has work to do. It's okay for Kenyatta to recover from her anxiety because a lot of times anxiety impacts everyone differently. Like with me, I sleep a lot. It causes me to be very tired or it gives me um insomnia where some nights I cannot sleep and I have to make myself go to sleep around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to send you some sleeping tea, (laughs) valerian root, something, um, just to keep you straight. (laughs) But the thing about it is the beauty, I'm saying the beauty of having this disorder and being in tune with changing for the better is because I don't let it totally overtake me. I think that's your purpose. I think honestly, like, you know how sometimes we're just looking for our purpose and, and slowly, I think I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm a conduit to humanity. Like I like to bring people together. I like to create Mm -hmm. events that we can continuously improve, not just as an individual, but also for our community to help each other. And for Mm -hmm. you opening up that personal um, journey that you're going through could help a student that even just another human who's not a student who's listening to our podcast um, that it's okay that even though you have this type of disorder you can still be productive in your life it's just a matter of you know um, setting aside like you said 15 minutes to yourself and kind of um, slow down slow your pace down Take a deep breath and maybe sometimes write it down just to just to see what's happening and what your thought process was. It could be negative. It could be positive. Who cares? Just write it down and then reflect on yourself and see what's happening. Um, this this definitely would help, you know, anyone really who's listening to this podcast. Now, what do you think other professors should do, though, in order to keep like students engaged in their classroom? What do you do? What kind of tips can you provide? Open communication. Be open to communicate with them, not just a good morning. Thanks for coming to class. Okay, you guys have a great evening. Your paper is due on Friday by 5 o'clock. No, 
a student wants to know that the individual who they are pretty much lending their brains to, to provide information into, is trustworthy. The information that's coming out their mouths is trustworthy. The theories and the concepts that that, that they are teaching and breaking down is trustworthy. So you have to have that open communication. A student may ask, well, Dr. Hills, where did you find that information from? Okay, I'm glad you asked that. Then maybe we can go into the spill of how I found it, who wrote it, and this and that and that and this. So, yes, open communication. Another thing is be, be as relatable as possible. We teach students from all different shapes, colors, demographic areas, just all different types of people. You, you have to make sure that you are relatable as a human. Because everyone's culture is different. Everyone does things different. But all humans know emotions. They know happiness. They know joy. They know enthusiasm. So, yes, be relatable so that they open up to receive information from you. And another thing I would like to um, advise uh, professors is to build in a work environment or, in other terms, an environment of learning that is structured on respect, open-mindedness, and no judgment. No judgment. I tell my students all the time, you're taking this course because either you know enough about the subject and you want to learn more or you know nothing about it and you just want to learn the basics. So don't think just because you give a response that it has to be correct. It doesn't have to be correct. That's the beauty of learning and teaching. Even if it's not correct, I'm going to show you and make sure that you understand what the correct answer is without any judgment. So those are some things that I like that. Yeah, open-mindedness and no judgment is easy to say, but hard to do when you're in your classroom because sometimes I think our facial expression, right, the way we communicate to others, even though our intent was well-intentioned, um, but if our facial expression says otherwise in our words, sometimes our students in our live Zoom classes um, can see if we're authentic or genuine. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, what makes you feel inspired, especially on those days where you're just like, I don't have enough sleep. I got to go to bed, you know, at 10 in the morning. Going out into nature. Going out into nature inspires me. I live in a small rural town in Florida, so... We live on a couple of acres, so I have a lot of trees and land to walk around and really enjoy and release that stress and release that anxiety. Pray. Um, talk to the plants. Ask them how they're doing. You know, that sounds crazy, but everything, well, I don't want to say it sounds crazy. It sounds different. But if we actually look at nature, that's life. The flowers in the yard is life. They like to be sung to. They like to be spoken to. They like to be told that they're beautiful. The same thing with trees. I'll go up to a tree whenever I'm feeling bad about myself, especially when the depression kicks in. I will walk up to a tree. We have a lot of oak trees. And say, you're so tall and strong. Can you give me some of that? 
<laughs> I would love that too. I am so sure. I would love at least like five inches, you know, like. Exactly. Can I get some of that? You know, just joke around. Yeah. You know, make it personal for you and your experience with nature. And I say your connection with God at that time. And um, I just do a lot of different things out in nature. Um, I listen to the wind. Like the Pocahontas um, song, uh, The Voices of the Wind, the wind really does talk to us. It talks to us through the movement on our skin, letting us know that everything is okay, bringing us into the now. That is and so that's good. also something that can help individuals that's going through anxiety or depression or even generalized anxiety disorder. It's best to live in the now. I get Feel that. what's going on now. Yeah. And then what's going to go on in the future is going to happen, but it's not going to impact you now. And what has happened in the past, yes, it may have had something to do with you in the now, but it's in the past. So I really get my inspiration and my energy from nature, from the sun. Um, it really feels good to just walk out and smell fresh air. Yeah. I think we all could use that, especially after COVID where we're stuck and if we're out, we're on a mask, right? So, yeah, I could imagine myself doing that. Um, If I could remove all barriers and constraints, what project would you do and would you want to be known only by that project? Okay, now, I wouldn't want to be known only by this project, but I I would like to be known for it, though. I am into reading about economics, the world economics, and how it can benefit everyone involved. So I came across this book called Donut Economics. And what it does is it breaks down a a framework of how our economics could be shaped to, um, to the concept of conserving, I'm trying to think off the off the top of my head, like the living world, which would be land conservation, air pollution, what else was in the book, Uh, biodiversity loss, and also break our um, economics down to social boundaries like energy, food, water, housing, social equality, peace and justice, things of that nature. But to work on a project that implements donut economics so that we as consumers and we as human beings on this planet learn how to commit to not only our social responsibility, but our own environmental responsibility when it comes to um, how our waste from our economic waste is being more of a hindrance to the progression of man. So I would like to do research. I don't care if they say Kenyatta or Dr. Hills, just do research on um, donut economics when it comes to um, water conservation. I will do research for that and anything else that they would have me to do because I want this world to turn into something that our future finds valuable, not only in morals, not only in beliefs, but in the planet in which we live, fresh water, um, land that has not been plummeted for its minerals, 
Um, That's kind of hard to find now. Yeah. That would be a project, a dream project of mine. I think. Being involved change of the economic system worldwide. I think this is a great project, especially with what's happening with um, our world today and how, you know, greed is coming to a halt and now we're on war because of, you know, this and that. And I think social change needs to be done. But at the same time, I think if people just go to the roots, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what regions, what continent you're from, we're all brothers and sisters. Thank you. Um, Thank you. We should share if the other one has more than the other and the other one's barely making it. I, I think it's if you look at everyone as a family and family is not perfect. OK, um, especially mine. But at the same time, if you just look at it like, yes, we quarrel. Yes, brothers and sisters fight. But at the end of the day, we're family. So we get each other's back. Right. Um, yeah. And I think this donut economic would definitely be. Something I'd be interested if it was more of like the gas emissions, um, how electric vehicles are needed, you know, so we're not super dependent on gas prices. Like here in San Diego, there's a uh, Coronado Islands, like $18 per gallon. Like, how do you live like that? And you make, you know, 10 bucks to 15 bucks an hour. You're going to be walking a lot. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that's an, an amazing project. Now, if you could tell your students one thing that would make your job easier, what would it be? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I would inspire, if you said to inspire my students? Um, no, if you could tell your students one thing that would make your job easier as a teacher, like if you were in Canvas or in oh, live okay, Zoom, okay. what would that be to make your job easier? Oh, to communicate, communicate, talk to me. I cannot read your mind. If you're having an issue with an assignment or you just don't understand a a concept, let me know. Because in the lecture, I'm teaching it in a way that I feel fits everyone's learning. But I know some students are more visual. Some students um, like for the professor, well, prefer for the professor to give them steps on how to do things. If that's what you need. Let it be known. Send an email. Set up a Zoom meeting. Because there's a lot of professors that want to be in the student's corner. Every time they log into their computers, whether they're teaching online or they walk into the lecture halls, their focus is to be there for their students. No professor wants a student to complete their class and not gain anything from it, especially to their liking. So, yes, open communication. Talk to us. Awesome. Now, did COVID change anything in your teaching methodology? Yes, it did. I had to learn how to minimize my lecturing because the training that I had was from um, Bethune-Cookman, where I lectured a lot, a lot of face-to-face. And yes, we did activities, but in the classroom of 74 students, you're going to be wasting more time getting groups together to do an activity. So a lot of my teaching was based on lectures. But what I found teaching online during COVID is students are emotionally burned out, and they feel like with everything's going on, it's a time for self-improvement. 
So what I have learned to start doing is creating or allowing the students to have a lot more hands-on activities via Zoom in our breakout rooms. Um, I may um, choose a case study. Let's just say it's on organizational behavior. And um, I post a case study in the announcements, and then during the lecture, I talk about the case study, read it to them, let them know what I think about it, but I also give them time somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes to be in their breakout rooms to actually discuss the case study. I give them questions also to help them with their discussion while they're in their groups. And then afterwards, we all come together collectively and we talk about what we learned different from the case study um, how it could or how it can impact a leader um, dealing with the behavior of a subordinate. I'm just using that as an example. So, yes, I have learned that students are going through a lot. Students are parents, their sisters, their brothers, their husbands, their wives. I'm their professor, and I'm a student, and I have been impacted by COVID. So just to to be more understanding also not only with your lectures but also with your communication of building a relationship with your students because everyone is going through something yeah and everyone has a job outside of being a student or yep. being a professor yep empathy i think is my big thing that yeah. i i've showed so much and also I've learned to manage my time quickly because I only have an hour and I need to be having an activity that's impactful to them with critical thinking skills so uh, role role play is my big thing right now that they are loving it so what is the most challenging for you in the classroom (laughs) some days when I'm going through my anxiety I um I find it very challenging to come out of my introvertedness. And um, a couple of months ago, I had that. I was um, putting on a presentation for our seminar at ANU. And it was like an hour before I was to present. I had a full-blown anxiety attack. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, ugh. <laughs> I made you have an anxiety attack. <laughs> oh, we can laugh about it now, but at that time it wasn't funny. Um, no, but the funny at that because you know when you're going, your yeah. brain processing, and then physiological things are happening. You're sweating. You're trying to cool down from that. You have this constant um, mental chatter in your head. Are oh, you going to mess up negative talk? You're going to mess up Kenyatta. What if you mess up? What if you say a word wrong? Da-da-da-da-da-da. All of that generalized anxiety, chemical imbalance kicks into play. So I had to really pull myself together, breathe, Woosa. Yeah. And everyone said you all didn't know, but I was like, oh You did great. Goodness. You did an excellent job um, at that time. And, and you sharing that actually did help others who were not able to present yet, but said, okay, we're good. I mean, we all have times that you know you get scared because you messed up I think for me I've mentally prepared myself that I'm gonna mess up and so so what 
I mess up. What what is it to to anybody? Nothing, right? I'm human. That's just showing you that I'm human. And um, for me, that's reason why I don't focus on the negative side of anything. It's more of like, how can we fix the problem and just continue on? Because everyone is going to mess up. That's just human nature. If you think you're not going to mess up and you're going to be always perfect then you're not being human. We're not robots, right? We're always, I mean, every minute we probably make mistakes thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's more, I think, of a thought process. Like when people say, I'm so scared of presenting and I have like my daughters to my kids, like, oh, mom, I can't present. I'm scared. I'm like, okay, what are you scared about, right? And I said, listen, you know, when you get scared and, and when, you, when you're thinking about those thoughts, think about it. Think of a scared is, is a curtain, right? And when you open that curtain, there's nothing else in there, nothing but darkness, right? And so when you present it, think of it like you're opening the curtain and then just nothing and just perform. Um, and I think sometimes it is, it's our, our brain is limiting us from our potential. Sometimes we're the worst critic for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it will most definitely, most definitely challenge you with your self-limitation and that's something that I'm continuously working on with myself daily Kenyatta especially with generalized anxiety disorder I will never and like I said I've been dealing with this since 2008 I will never let it hinder me or stop me from my learning and my working I may take a break every now and then but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on working. I'm going to keep on writing my articles. I'm going to keep on teaching. I'm going to keep on informing others that there are people who function with a mental disorder. Yeah. But do not let it limit you. That's awesome. You can live. Yes, that's awesome. And just know that beyond this podcast, I'm always going to be here. As your sister forever, right? <laughs> uh, you do know that. <laughs> and um, thank you so much. That's such an inspiring time um, having personal conversation. Um, despite of all the things that we go through in life, we mosey on. And what people only see on your resume is your accomplishments and not your journey of how you got there and not all your sacrifices and how you fought to get there. Um, and yeah. some people don't understand why you're even doing certain things when you already have certain things. Like my daughter's doesn't even understand. Like, mom, you're in school since I was born. Like, seriously, I can still remember, you know, and you're still in school. What's wrong with you? You know? And I said, there's nothing wrong. It's more of continuously improve. Like, even though I'm getting my master's, I'm actually trying to get certifications on the other side too. Like yeah. while I'm doing that. And, and, um, it's just some people function that way. doesn't mean that you're inadequate if you're not doing the same thing. It means that you have different types of priorities at this moment, but yes. we all are trying to find our purpose, right? We all are. And I think for you, Dr. Hills, I think I've found a purpose for you. <laughs> I don't know if you see it, but I see it on my end <laughs> that I think you could really help people who are going through that same issue or at least similar issues and said, what do you want to do? How are you going to help? Right. And um, I think most teachers uh, are focused on helping others. And um, we're trying to always constantly, continuously improve ourselves so that we can help others. And I think this conversation alone, I'm hoping will also help um, hundreds, if not thousands, or even one person. Um, And we already have, you know, hit our purpose for the day. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. I'm so glad you have a time to chat. Take this opportunity. Awesome. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast or have questions, email me at leveluppbydocleland at gmail.com. Docleland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. I will see you soon in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.